y'all come on in, take your shoes off, sit on down. Y'all listening to In the Corner, Back by the Woodpile. Fun counter guy, thanks for stopping by. This is a bit of a disjointed edition of In the Corner Back by the Woodpile, at least more so than often, called Digging Through the Cushions, which is just a few bits that didn't make it into previous episodes for a variety of reasons. The first chunk is from Mr. John Young talking about being stuck between the Queen of the Netherlands and jazz legend Count Basie. I was on a trip to the Netherlands with my parents in 1975. Uh, my, my father belonged to this international aviation group that raised uh, scholarship funds for the children of military pilots who had been killed while in active service. They were having a, a meeting in uh, The Hague in the Netherlands, and uh, we uh, were congregated waiting for some tour buses to arrive to take us to some point of interest that, that we were going to spend the day at. But, I had noticed uh, posters around the lobby of the hotel of Count Basie and his orchestra performing at the Municipal Center next door to the hotel. I think the, the night or two after this morning that we were waiting on these tour buses, and lo and behold, here, here comes a tour bus up, but it, it happens to be Count Basie and his orchestra. And uh, I've been a fan of, of big band stuff, uh, you know, for the fact that uh, he made vignette appearances in movies like Blazing Saddles and things like that as uh -huh. well. So he and his bandmates get off the bus, and he's elderly. He's, you know, not a spring chicken. He's probably in his 70s. And he's looking for a bellboy to, to help him with his bags in the hotel. Well, the hotel had this strict policy, you know, there's, there's this reputation with the Dutch, they, they refer to them as the punctual Dutch. They're very strict about rules and regulations, and one of the policies of the hotel was that uh, the bell hops were not allowed to handle any baggage that didn't have a name tag on them. Really? So, Count Basie's bags didn't have name tags on them, yet here's his picture plastered all over right. the interior of the lobby of the hotel. And uh, the, uh, the desk manager at the hotel refused to let any of the bellhops come and help him with his bags. <laughs> and I happened to be wow. standing nearby him. I said, I know who you are. <laughs> I said, I'll carry your bags for you. <laughs> so I helped him out of the elevator and we went up to his room and uh, he was appreciative. And I, I told him I was a musician and uh, uh, was getting ready to study to uh, be a recording engineer at a school in California. He offered concert tickets to me for, uh, for helping him with his bags. Mm -hmm. But this group that we were there with, this aviation group that my dad was in, the meeting there was being hosted by Prince Bernhard and you know the royal family. Mm -hmm. Prince Bernhard had been a bomber pilot in World War II when he was being inducted into the group. And um, one of the main events for the gathering that week was going to be a dinner at one of the royal palaces with the queen and, and, wow. the, and the prince the same night as the concert. So here's Count Basie offering me, you know, complimentary tickets to the show. And I said, I'd, I'd love to, to be at your show, but I, I can't. I'm having dinner with the queen. <laughs> and he looked at me like I was nuts, but I said, no, really. <laughs> 
You know, I said, I'd much rather be at, at your show, <laughs> yeah. but I have to turn you down. So. Next up, Dave Duncan presents to us an instance of a well-intentioned but poorly thought-out gimmick of helping kids get to heaven. Now we're going to talk about Captain Hook and his Christian pirate crew. And no kids, you can't make this stuff up. This is the <laughs> real deal. Now this is a really interesting, this is in the subgenre what they call Christian children's entertainment. And let me tell you, it's some crazy business. They want to get the message across, of course, but sometimes the wrappings they use are a little weird. So no, think about it. it. Christian pirates to begin with. Pirates as a rule are irredeemable, godless creatures. Right. So a Christian pirate is yeah, going to just pretend to be a pirate but right. you know you know he's gonna yo-ho-ho for god i don't know right. but it's a really good conceit and yeah. so now this wasn't on a mainstream no like this is thomas this, nelson this, no this is uh no, this is about as far off the path as you can get yeah basically what this was is this was a, a children's christian produced ministry show that was done as far as i can tell it's ha- kind of hard to date this it was in the late 70s or throughout the 80s but most people found out about it. You know, go back to the pre-internet days again for all you old codgers. As I like to say, we are the new codgers. We will not be the old codgers. We'll be the new codgers. And there used to be a really great magazine called Fact Sheet Five. And Fact Sheet Five was listing after listing of everybody. Now they blog and you had you could post. But then you had to do it in print. You made your own fanzine. You distributed it. So there were just listings and listings, you know, all the time of this. And there was a fellow, I can't remember his name, but he was the editor of a magazine called Zontar the Thing from Venus. He put together this videotape, again, data technology, uh, and he called it religiosity. It was perverse preachers, fascist fundamentals, and Christian kitty kooks, right? This is a two-hour VHS that me and many of my friends got, and people I know around the, the U.S. and the world got this thing, and loaded close to the very top of this was this video of Captain Hook and his Christian pirate crew. Now, these three segments they focused on uh, are available on YouTube, so you can watch them. So one of them is like Captain Hook's origin story, which is interesting and kind of parallels the guy's own. We found out Captain Hook was actually this uh, guy named Von R. Som, S-A-U-M. And he's missing an arm. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's missing more than an arm. He's from Scott, Ohio, and he lost his left arm and left leg Whoa. in a motorcycle accident when he was 17 back in 1960. So in the telling of Captain Hook's origin, you know, he recounts the horrible accident and losing his limbs, but he, he attributes this to being under the influence of evil things, uh, alcohol and drugs. So when he recovers from his accident, he has a new purpose in life. He's going to be Captain Hook, and he's going to preach to the kids about being a pirate for good. Because you know? he literally has a hook. Because he literally has a hook, right, okay. right. Excuse me while I answer the phone. Hello, Captain Hook. The devil? Buddy. <laughs> Now listen, devil, don't you be calling disturbing me. We love the Lord and these kids are going to serve the Lord and you're just trying to give us a bad time. You leave a... Don't you call me fatso, devil. We don't like you. We're in love with the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to serve him. So get out of here and leave us alone. Goodbye. So Captain Hook also uh, he has his own little crew. He has his three kids. And Mrs. Hook, who I must say, you know, that's uh, that's some booty I could get behind. Mrs. Hook is... <laughs> Mrs. Hook uh, is, she is quite, yeah, she's fine. I think Mrs. Hook may have been the glue that kept the captain going here. But when you see these videos, uh, the origin story is amazing. They've got really crude drawings and reenacting of this. They're kind of compelling. The second main segment is the autopsy. Okay, so uh, so Captain Hook has this ventriloquist. I mean, he has a dummy sidekick, but he doesn't do the voice. So it's you know, so it's not really. It's just somebody else voicing the dummy named Sharky. And Sharky's a real smart. 
He's always calling Captain Hook a fatso and this, that, and the other. So there's a thing where they do Sharky's rap. But the autopsy is great because they take a, a, a mannequin dummy and he does an autopsy where he finds all the evil places he's been. You know, he looks at his shoes and says, look, there's a stain from a beer joint. You know, so it's just amazing in a way. Talk about a cautionary tale. Obviously, he doesn't want the kids to wind up losing their limbs, but kind of the way it's gone about is fanciful and frightening at the same time. So these segments are available on YouTube. Hello, Sharky. How you doing? I'm doing just fine, Fatso. How are you doing? <laughs> My name is not Fatso, Sharky, and would you please quit calling me Fatso? Okay, Castor Oil. <laughs> castor Oil? Why are you calling me Castor Oil now? Well, I call you that because you were so hard to take when you were a kid. <laughs> Surprisingly, over the years, my friends and I wanted to find out more about the good captain and that. Come to find out that he actually did record some independent albums, of which I was fortunate enough to, I think, get all four of them here at a recent record show. They're pretty amazing artifacts. They were actually put on this, uh, I love the logo. I think the name of the record label is called Get Hooked. So you've got a great image of a cross with like a fish hook oh, going through it. So, uh, and on <laughs> every one of these, apparently he was based out of it's... Indiana. The uh, P.O. box here is Fishers, Indiana. But he had a ministry set up in there that, that was active until, uh, I think what we could find out, the good captain uh, died in, when was it? 1993, at the age of 50. And so the ministry closed huh. up after that. And why did he die so young, do you know? That we don't really know. I mean, there's, there's information like you can find out where his mother's buried, but you can't really find much out about him other than that the ministry's eventually closed and uh -huh. uh, you gotta love these records they have some really great covers uh this one shiver my timbers which i love captain hook and his christian pirate crew story sing-along song scripture and sharky that smart ass puppet yeah <laughs> uh this one has a great cover where it looks like you have a, a kind of like a goofy looking devil right out of the leuven brother satan is real cover sitting on a barrel that says unfair while captain hook's plunging his rapier into a barrel next to him and wielding his hook and and Stump and Sharky's kind of smirking in the middle of it. So it's an all-time great cover of all time. Uh, unfortunately, three of these records came with additional little Totskis that, that unfortunately were long separated from the albums. But this one says, Inside, a free authentic treasure map. To what? We'll never know. Oh, no. So some of the other records, Anchors Away is, got a, is a great one. And it supposedly came uh, with a free eye patch. You know, even uh, though uh, I guess Sharky was the one that wore the eye patch. Got a great... Looks like they're sitting at some kind of a, and it looks like a gambling table. It's like some kind it, of it, aquatic themed restaurant. The the toothsome Miss uh, Miss Hook is there, like and, a really fancy Captain D's. Yeah, yeah, or the Jolly Roger or something. Who knows? But they're all <laughs> smiling and they're all yeah. doing their Christian pirate thing. So yeah. so the albums are really interesting. The uh, the first one called Ship Ahoy, which for you diehard collectors, actually there's an alternate cover. I have a a, a later reissue <laughs> that just has a kind of like a crappy, weird. Anyway, the original has a really great portrait of the family together, which I'll take any day. So but you don't the, have that? Or you no, don't? I don't have the, the variant cover. That was the original <laughs> one. But the Ship Ahoy actually features a blurb on the back from none other than Colonel Harlan Sanders. Take it from the Colonel. He has a lot to say about it. This young man's life began when most men's would have ended. His actual beginning came after a tragic motorcycle accident. So, oh, we actually have more biographical information here. Von R. Somme, after four years of training at the Southern Bible College in Houston, Texas, took on a new name and image, Captain Hook. So he now travels internationally, telling an old story in a new way, the gospel story, pirate style. Arrgh. So his crew members are Mrs. Hook, who compliments his ministry with storytelling and much of the prop work and fine eye candy as well. I'm sure, I'm sure I've got a thing for Mrs. Hook there. She doesn't have a name. She's just Mrs. Hook. But next in line are his kids, who all, their names all start with V. 
Victor, Vince, and Valerie, also known as Fishhook, Tadpole, and Little Sea Swan. So, um, anyway, it looks like the Colonel is more of a font of information about <laughs> the good captain than anybody. you got to love these records. They're true artifacts. They, you know, as a listening experience, they have their high points and low points. You could distill these four into one absolute killer engaging comp. <laughs> and I love, like I said, every one of them has a skull and crossbones disclaimer that says, Beware, this album may be habit-forming and cause your child to be non-delinquent. Are any of these songs, the songs like somebody could cover in irony and, um, and kind of make it a rock and hit? Boy. That's a tall order. I don't know if any of these have breakout potential. I don't see any of these with a bullet anytime soon. But it's just just the whole weird Christian pirate right. thing, you know, that's yeah. going on. And come to find out that the Von Som, you know, Captain Hook, the people have done what little research on him said that he um, actually officiated at various funerals, and he was indeed an ordained minister. It wasn't just for show, so he did study. And uh, yeah, you know, and I have empathy for these guys. You know, I think you know they were trying, but maybe just. Sometimes they can get it. There's oh. just a weird thing of just being a pirate for Christ. Yeah. You know, I mean, just the whole thing, because it's kind of the opposite right. of what you want. You want to be a fisher of men and this, that, and the other, yeah. but you don't want to be like a robbing, stealing. Well, you know. it, it, we were we were talking off recording. It's, it's just like the food chain, Genghis Khan, or right, right. Nero's Pizza. They're truly horrible uh, people who slaughtered you know, yes. millions. <laughs> right, right. There's just an inherent wrongness to it. Right. That, that just saying you're Christian makes it okay. Right. You know, right. it's like I'm, I'm Christian barbarian. Yeah. You know? I'm a I'm a Christian cannibal. <laughs> you know, I'm a Christian. You know, whatever. So uh, I have to say, I love stuff like this. I live for yeah. stuff like this, just because. There are corners of the world that people don't look at that often. I'm not so sure you could get away with this today. I think somebody somewhere would claim microaggression or maybe macroaggression on these. Uh, right. as, as that smart aleck puppet Sharky says here in a liner note, chart your course for heaven. <laughs> Can't argue with that. The Bible says that our body is the temple of the Lord and that the Lord dwells within us. He's got a lot of room to live in you, don't he, fat <laughs> And now... Ron Elliott tells of an incident where he tried to help a classroom of low expectation special needs children shine a little brighter and a little prouder. I remember an incident where I was given a class for a week as a substitute because the husband was out with his wife. And I wanted to do something different. This particular school had hat day where the boys wore hats all day inside, which is uh, certainly not what my mother would uh, <laughs> approve of. Uh, mismatched sock day, backwards clothes day. About the third day, I could see where I was going to cover everything that was left for me to cover during the week. And I said, okay, we're going to have a dress-up day Friday. And that means that if you come, if guys have to wear a tie and a shirt, button-down shirt, the girls have to wear a collared shirt or a dress, you know, nice slacks, no blue jeans, then you get a homework pass for the weekend, which I knew we were going to cover everything anyway. So at Friday morning, the principal saw three boys come into class you boys sure look nice. Why'd you dress up? Mr. Elliot made us. You know, so, oh, made, uh, so that put her on a warpath. So, first class, everybody was looking just so sharp, so nice. So we had a fashion show. 
Oh, wow. You know, I could, and this is a contemporary, you know, I just went crazy. Uh -huh. You know, I don't even remember what I said, but I complimented everybody. And, and I told them, I said, if you don't have a tie, get one of your daddies or one of your uncles. And if they don't have ties, go down to uh, uh, Salvation Army, get one and tell them I will be down there to pay for it. Okay, well, this one kid didn't have a tie here on a regular T-shirt, but he saw everybody else was dressed. So he cut out a paper tie, colored it, took a paper clip and clipped it onto his shirt. Oh, wow. And that's the guy that I pulled up as one of the examples. This man will never be left behind. You know, he uses his imagination. He has a contemporary look. He does that and that made him feel great mm -hmm. along with everybody else. End of the day, last class, there was a couple of kids left in the class waiting on buses. One of the girls, I said, what did you think about the guys dressing up today? They said, oh, they look so good and they were so well behaved. I told one girl, if you dress like Snoop Doggy Dog, you're going to act like Snoop Doggy Dog. If you dress like Chief Justice Warrenberger, you're going to act like Chief Justice Warrenberger. She went to the principal and said that I said I was tired of kids dressing like Snoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> Yeah, she paraphrased a little. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the principal called me in. Anytime I went to sub, I always wore a tie dress shirt and a jacket. Separate yourself from the kids. Now, I've seen some of these straight out of high school teachers. You can't tell the difference between them and the kids, you know, because they dress the same. I said, no. Michael Lowry was the only teacher in the entire system who wore a tie every day and me. After you started, Mr. Cameron started doing Yeah, when I, they, 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 they took the hint. You don't wear t-shirts. You don't wear flip-flops. Mm -hmm. You're a teacher. You're educated. Take some pride in what you look like. The principal was really hot at me. And you made these people dress up and out of this and the other. And before we really start discussing this, why don't we get the vice principal in here so he can be privy to, you know, so I don't... Uh, yeah, don't repeat this information. Yeah. Parents been calling in here, complaining about this, that, all day long, I got to answer. I pulled the tape recorder out, turn on, set it on, uh, now, nah. I said, you know, if these kids and these parents are doing this, that, that's conspiracy, and I think we need to go down to the uh, board office and pull these kids down there and explain that any conspiracy is a felony. <laughs> oh, 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 there's just one parent called in. She just, all of it was bull. Uh, she said, one of the students said that you tired of seeing these kids dressed like Snoop Doggy Dog around here. I said, well, it was an inference made between Snoop and Chief Justice. You know, when you dress like that, you act like that. And these kids had, were on their Sunday school behavior mm -hmm. on a Friday in school. So... I ask a little bit more and kids rise to it, but there are some people who are jealous because they didn't think of it, because they don't have that control. Just like any job I've ever been in, I, I think after you've been there for a while, you start to kind of get tired and you, know, you rest on your laurels and all that. And you think 
the whole school system had just got to that point, and here comes the guy with a little bit of energy. And well, that, that's, that's going back to that first question you were talking about, making excuses. Uh, what was that? The alibi. Alibis. Yeah. You know, make an alibi. Well, I ain't got time. I got to do this uh, report, and I got to do that. Yes, the whole school system. That's a big alibi. Why? Because they <laughs> the can. <laughs> because they don't have the freedom to teach. These kids are graduating high school. Yes, I got an A in pre-calculus, but I don't know what the hell it is. Mm -hmm. I can do it, but I don't know why. Too many teachers take teaching as a job. It's a fallback for a lot of people. I've heard it said many yeah, times. Yeah, and that, oh, those, are the people, those are the people who take it as a job. Teaching is not a job. It is a lifestyle. Or passion. It should be, I think. It's a, if it's a passion, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Lastly, for the trying to herd cats episodes, I tried to jumpstart some conversation with a particular quote, a Chinese proverb, that in the end only procured a few responses that I felt were interesting enough to pass on to y'all. The quote is this, great souls have wills, feeble ones only have wishes. Somebody said once that an intelligent way to go about a problem is not to complain about it, but to change it. So I guess that's related, and I would generally agree, but, you know, I've been a very willful person in my life, and I've had my will broken many times. So I think that maybe the way that people perceive that statement could be maybe a little misleading, although maybe on some fundamental level, it's... Looking back, do you feel like your, your will needed to be broken? Like, you were doing something that was... Maybe so-called mm -hmm. wrong or hurt, hurtful to other people or something? Yeah, I was a real rigid person in general. Like, I didn't have, I think, the fluidity that life demands. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's a balancing act between having the will to do something and the focus and having the ability to be a receptive node in the system uh -huh. and responsive. Quote again, great souls have wills, feeble ones only have wishes. You become great because of your will, is what that is saying. And people are lack greatness because they're feeble in their desire. If I can add to this, because uh, you remind me because you're sitting there in front of me, is that uh, since I've known you, I mean, you've had tons of dreams, mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, not tons, but not that, but you, you're kind of focused on a few, but you've always been working towards, you know, putting legs on them, right. so to speak. Was there a time that you weren't, weren't that way, that you were just a, a dreamer and, and you were kind of waiting for some opportunity to fall out of the sky? Abraham Lincoln, speaking of quotes, is quoted, is attributed this quote, everything comes to he who hustles while he waits. <laughs> That's good. So, no, I think the turning point for me would have been... Um, or not turning point, but the, in high school, uh, reading Zig Ziglar, mm -hmm. See You at the Top, mm -hmm. and that at 15 or 16 years old, mm -hmm. reading a book that was written for 40-year-old salesmen, mm -hmm. but being able to interpret it for me, and then going to college and discovering at the library these Nightingale Conant motivational tapes that uh, were, you know, 
75 bucks or something new and you can check them out for 25 cents from the library I absorbed those mm-hmm. so that but I was already well, they, well, they I was all... already hustling by that time so it helped yeah I mean a great soul is going to have a will a desire a mission a focus and and some people just sit around and take what comes to them and yeah and they get what they they get exactly what they want and that's nothing ultimately well, I don't I wouldn't say that's what they want but that's what they've worked for maybe right we right, right, yeah Ultimately. Have you ever seen somebody that's just not good at something? Oh yeah, but man, they keep trying. Yeah. What as their friend? What do you do? What have you done? Well, I have a friend. He's not a, he was a friend in high school. It's not a. I wouldn't call him a close friend. He was auditioning for America's Got Talent mm-hmm. in New York, and he wanted to show me the routine he was going to be auditioning with, and he showed it to me, and it was terrible. <laughs> I looked at him, and I said, "Do you want me to be nice, or do you want me to be honest?" Because a lot of people just want to be nice. Right. Especially in the South, where we're at. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and he goes, no, I, w- I want you to tell me. And I'm like, well, you need to fix this, and you need to fix this, and you need to fix this, and maybe if you help this this way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's a very small component. I mean, you know, if you have a dream and you're, and you're very, if you know what that dream is and you're focused on it, mm-hmm. I think to some degree it will, it will, it will happen at some point. Failure is part of every success, so. So maybe these guys that are fail, they're stink at what they're doing at the moment. Maybe eventually it'll kick in. You say maybe, or maybe they'll find something else in it that they didn't realize that they were wanting to do, or they were good at, or a doctor becomes a doctor because he thinks that's what he wants to do, or because that's why he wants to make money. So he becomes a doctor, and then he finds out later that his real passion is helping people in very poor countries or poor. Areas and so it's not about the money; it's really about this talent that he's developed as a doctor. So his dream may have been to be a doctor, make a lot of money, but it may end up being he's a doctor, but now he's really doing something meaningful with his life. Well, that's all for now. Hopefully, next episode will be less bits and chunks and be a solid. In the Corner, Black Rod of the Woodpile is produced by a closet, a pocket, and a suitcase. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for Spun Counter Guy. You can send us an email via SpunCounterGuy at Hotmail.com. The podcast is also hosted on iTunes and Podbean.com. Peace and chicken grease! <laughs>